Welcome to 7th Avenue Presbyterian Church. We are glad to be with you. Um, you'll find the complete announcements in your email. We welcome the Reverend Dale Trunk back to the pulpit this morning. So glad to be with you. And now Susan Baker Lena will share a few words on a special offering to support Afghan refugees. And if you're interested in donating, be sure to indicate refugee support, whether in the notes section online or on an envelope or on the memo line of your check. Good morning. Um, 7th Avenue has supported Interfaith Refugee Welcome since about 2016. And through them, I learned that Afghan refugees are being settled in the Bay Area. And so the Leadership Council decided to take up a special offering to support these efforts. The money will go to Jewish Family and Community Services East Bay. Uh, JFCS has helped to settle refugees from around the world. We've supported them in the past with people from Central America. But they locate and furnish apartments, meet the individual or family at the airport, and provide ongoing services as they <clears throat> live into a new life here. And they're committed to being present for the long term for these refugees, and they expect another wave of refugees since some of the evacuation flights came to the United States, but others went to other countries. So that as people are processed, they expect to have um, more people coming. In, just to give you an idea, in August, they settled 77 Afghan refugees. Normally, that number would be in about, over about six months. And they're expecting other waves. So this offering will be received from now through World Communion Sunday, which is October 3rd, and it will be dedicated on that Sunday. And the funds collected will be matched up to $2,000 from our mission budget. So please give as generously as you can. And as Jenna said, if you're here in person, you can put, put it in the offering of plates. There is a link to the donation uh, page in the announcements in your email. Thank you for your, <clears throat> for your interest. Thank you, Susan. And now in preparation for worship, you're invited to quiet yourself, becoming still as you prepare to worship God.
O come, let us sing to God. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. We come into God's presence with thanksgiving. We make a joyful noise to the one who has given us life. Let us sing unto God. together in the corporate prayer of adoration and wholeness, followed by a time of silence. Let us pray. God of wisdom, you are behind us, within us, alongside us. When we catch a glimpse of your presence, we give you thanks. 
When we miss your love altogether, we pray forgiveness. Allow us to see you through all the ways you seek us. And now in silence, let us continue in prayer. Let us receive these words of assurance. God is nearer than we know. To teach us who we are. Blessed be. Amen. Our first reading is from the book of Proverbs, the first chapter beginning with verse 20. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. O God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our minds and hearts this morning that we might hear your word for us this day. Amen. Wisdom cries out in the street. In the squares, she raises her voice. At the busiest corner, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? Give heed to my reproof. I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, have stretched out my hand and no one heeded, and because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when panic strikes you, when panic strikes you like a storm, and your calamity comes like a whirlwind when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. 
They will seek me diligently, but will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Holy One, would not have my counsel, and despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat of the fruit of their way and be sated with their own devices. For waywardness kills the simple, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But those who listen to me will be secure and will live at ease without dread of disaster. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. The second reading is Psalm 19. The heavens are telling 
the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. The voice is not heard, yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has sent a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Holy One is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of, the, of God are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Holy One are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of God is clear, enlightening the eye. The fear of the Holy One is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of God are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. I recently saw a bumper sticker with an enlightening quote. Misinformation will ruin the internet. From the sayings of Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> Years ago, a young man grabbed my ear during a parish picnic. He was very excited about his plan for evangelization. He wanted to start a Christian gang. It would stand up for Christian values by doing battle with and harming anyone they saw being against Christian values. I knew him as a good guy, but misinformation seemed to have twisted his inner internet. He was very disappointed and surprised by my response. Using evil to achieve your purportedly good goal is evil. 
you would be doing something contrary to the teachings of Jesus. I suspect he was looking for a righteous justification to do the evil he really wanted to do. He needed to be tempered with wisdom and knowledge to better discern good and evil. So what is evil? It has many definitions and uses. Often we simply use it to describe our enemies. There's a philosophical definition that I find helpful. Evil consists of plans or actions that damage or ignore what is good. So then, what does good mean? For people of the Bible, good is what God does and makes. Each day of creation, God proclaims creation as good. We are part of that good creation. Now, the puzzle to explain why a good God allows evil keeps us wondering. Better to take it as a koan, a paradox to meditate upon, to experience the limits of our human reason and become more open to wisdom. Now, returning to my friend at the parish picnic, there is a basic moral principle. The end, or your goal, or what you intend, does not justify the means or the way you get there. But much of the time we live the opposite way. The end does justify the means. In the Wild West, by proclaiming what we want as good, we feel justified in doing anything to achieve it. Cunning is mistaken as wisdom and knowledge. This results in vigilantism. And add bounties to the mix, and there's a plan for dangerous chaos. If there is no stable and reasonable system of justice, vigilantism fills the void. And we can find plenty of that in our Western history. If there is a good system of justice, privatizing enforcement and supercharging it with bounties creates a void where there wasn't one and sets up the system or the lack of system for vigilantism. A new law in Texas seems to be applying this approach to end abortion. Publicly mandated bounties are being offered to encourage the chaos of unaccountable vigilantes to enforce a particular religious conviction. Is our goal truly good? Is the stated goal our true goal? Or is it a cynical cover for what we really want? Are we wolves in sheep's clothing? The verse of Proverbs just before the beginning of our reading this morning warns us about what I call the theology of the Wild West. Such are the ways of all who gain by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. 
Violence gives birth to violence, evil to evil. But there's another way. Pursuing the good sets us free from the dread of evil. Scripture keeps telling us that eventually we will live the consequences of our choices. But it's not a simple reality. A good book to help us in this struggle is Rabbi Kushner's book, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? The book of Proverbs is a gathering of ancient wisdom put together by professional sages long ago to train young people in living wisely, or as they thought at the time, getting along well in the world. It follows the training method of reward and punishment. It appeals to the lessons of experience and warns us that we will live the consequences of our actions. Today's poem from Proverbs could be titled, Lady Wisdom Screams for Our Attention. She's a personification of wisdom, perhaps even of Yahweh. She is present with Yahweh in each act of creation. She goes to the place where the people gather, to the city gates, and she screams, she cries. She cries to warn us that we will suffer because we reject wisdom and knowledge. How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? She sees what is coming and cries out what people need to learn to avoid a foreseeable train wreck of disastrous consequences. Yet it is so hard. It is so hard for us to learn and apply wisdom and understanding. Some stuff on the internet can be enlightening, like this one. Experts say, a serving size of chips is 10 chips. <laughs> what actual humans do? I eat 10 chips while standing in the pantry with a bag open trying to decide if I want to eat chips. <laughs> or this cartoon I re recently saw of epitaphs carved into rows of tombstones did my own research. They developed it too fast. I trust my own immune system. Let's wait and see. I didn't want that microchip planted in my body. I practiced my religious freedom. Scripture speaks often of fear of the Lord. It's not a matter of being afraid of God. It is the wisdom and knowledge that lead us to a love full of respect. Learning to take God into account by discerning God's word in the wonders of creation, the ordinariness of life, the world in which we live, and our inner responses. God keeps calling us one way or another. Like Mother Superior in The Sound of Music says to Maria, 
where God closes, where one door is closed, God will open a window. Something like that. Today's psalm calls us to read creation, the work of God's hands. There's endless knowledge in creation. Contemplation and science are two ways to keep learning and knowing more by reverencing and studying God's good creation. But if we have already decided that we know, we have nothing to learn. If we have already decided how God will call us, we are likely to make, miss out as God calls us. If we keep destroying the common home that God gives us, we end up pursuing the lure of our ignorant greed rather than reading the sign of God's abundance given for the common good. There's a story about a man during a flood. The river was overflowing. The evacuation order had been given. And this man decided to stay home, sure that God would save him. After the evacuation order, friends drove by to take him away with them to a safe place. I don't need you. God will save me. As the waters got higher, a rescue boat came down his street. I don't need you. God will save me. A rescue helicopter hovers over him on his roof. I don't need you. God will save me. Finally, the waters take him. He meets God at the gates of heaven, disappointed at not being saved. He's confused and angry. He says to God, I remained faithful to you and trusted you. I cried out to you in my need, and you did not answer me. You did not save me. God responds. I sent you your friends to get you out of there before the waters rose. I sent you a boat as the waters rose. I sent a helicopter to rescue you from your rooftop. What more could I have done? Now my hypothetical story does not take into account people who have no means to evacuate, no place to go, and a public system that's too overwhelmed to help. We are living through major environmental, health, moral, and political crises. We're being centrifuged into opposing camps. The end does not justify the means. The end does justify the means. Knowledge keeps evolving and growing. We have eternal, unchanging knowledge. We need to keep learning. We already know. Science opens and reads the book of creation. Science is dangerous to our faith. Unfortunately, much Christian thinking across the centuries has been based on an attitude of, 
We have the eternal, unchanging truth. Look up Neoplatonism. If your personal experience or scientific discoveries come to different conclusions, they are wrong. And the churches don't seem to learn. But there is so much more to learn. We make a definition and forbid further investigation and knowledge. Our wisdom gets weakened. We forget how to listen, care, and grow. The book of Proverbs is a good step in our evolution toward wisdom. The God we then meet in Jesus takes us on an unexpected and often unwanted journey. An unwanted and unexpected journey with wisdom. That's very different from the consumerist, ideological, cultural gods we are expected and tempted to worship. Jesus suffers evil to transform it and to reveal that life and love will prevail even when we feel the need to give up and lose hope. The heavens are telling us the glory of God and the firmament proclaims God's handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O noble one, my rock and my redeemer. as we affirm our faith with one another. We believe in a God who offers us wisdom, transforming our lives so we can transform our world. We believe in the Christ who challenges us to listen rather than speak, to accept rather than judge. We believe in the Spirit who beckons us to honor all of creation as we work for justice. This we believe. Amen.
As God's people, we are called to love one another. And one of the ways we do that is to pray. So let us move into a time of prayer with one another, offering prayers for the world, for the whole human family, and for ourselves. And after each petition, if the one praying would say, God in your grace, we will all respond by saying, you hear our prayers. God in your grace. Let us pray. God of life, we give you thanks for the beauty that fills the earth, for green leaves and flowers still blooming, for bird song and the return of crows. We pray for the wisdom and willingness to care for our home. God, in your grace. We give you thanks, O God, for the gifts you fill our lives with. We pray that our financial offerings this morning, mixed together, might be used for the truly inclusive ministry of the Christ in the world. God, in your grace. And now, O God, we offer in silence those prayers that are too intimate to say aloud. All those prayers spoken and those left unsaid, we release to you. Amen. This is the table that helps us practice having a healthy and clear internal internet. This is the table of the wisdom of knowledge that leads us to a life of love 
and respect. This is the table that welcomes us as part of God's good creation. So come, not because you must, but simply because you may. Christ be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto God. Let us give thanks to the God of life. It is right to give God thanks and praise. Let us pray. Blessed are you, O God, holy wisdom, friend of creation. In the beginning, out of the silent stillness that blanketed the deep, you stirred all that is. The energy of stars and dust, the life that fills earth and continues to transform. Flickering light warming the ground, the fresh breeze tickling the tall grass, and the gentle rain watering the earth. You are the God of our ancestors, of Abraham and Sarah, of Aaron and Moses. You are the God of persevering ones throughout the ages, drawing us together. You welcomed us into one family, dynamic and wild, passionate and hope-filled. When we found ourselves in bondage, you gave us sea legs as we walked toward freedom. When we lost our way, you encouraged us to attend to our hearts and trust we would be greeted by love. For when we are leaping for joy and jubilation, and when we stumble in darkness and despair, you are there. A friend who knew the wilderness, you came to us in Jesus of Nazareth. In your spirit, he was a presence of healing. He brought people from blindness to sight, fed hungry bodies, and relieved bruised spirits, helping us to receive back our own mystery and encouraging us to love one another as ourselves. Because he threatened political and religious powers, he was arrested, tortured, and executed. But you did not abandon him, and you do not abandon us. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we worship and adore your glorious name, evermore praising you and singing. Sweet mystery, pour out your spirit, we pray, on this bread, wheat from the field, that it might be for us the body of Christ. Pour out your spirit, we pray, on this cup, juice from the vine, that it might be for us the life of Christ. Pour out your spirit, we pray, on us, your gathered people, that we might truly know we are the body of Christ. Pour out your spirit, we pray. And now we are bold to pray the words that Jesus taught us, saying, 
Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with friends, just as we are gathered with friends of the faith. And he took bread, and after giving thanks to God, he broke it saying, This is my body, broken and given for you. Take, eat, do this, do this, in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of sin and sealed with my love. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we drink from one cup and break from one loaf, we proclaim the life, death, and resurrection of the Christ until we feast with him in glory. Friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them and feast on them in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. I will show you hidden things, hidden things you have not known. I will show you hidden things, hidden things you have not known.
Let us pray. Holy One, you have fed us in word, in music, in wisdom, and bread. And for that, we give you our thanks and praise. Amen. As you go forth, as part of God's good creation, listen, care, and grow. And may the grace of God who created you in love, the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be love, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love, be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Amen. Peace 